1: Hello, lovely listeners. How wonderful it is to be with you today, or whenever it is that you're listening. I'm Victoria Moran. I'm the author of Main Street Vegan, Everything You Need to Know to Eat Healthfully and Live Compassionately in the Real World. I am also a certified holistic health counselor, a vegan lifestyle coach, and the director of Main Street Vegan Academy, which trains and certifies vegan lifestyle coaches because The world wants what we know. It's a very, very exciting time to be vegan or be moving vegan word because there's just a lot of great information out there. And so many people from so many walks of life are interested in this and wanting to share what they know. So this is a wonderful, wonderful August to be alive in the world. And I'm very happy today that I'm not just sitting here by myself and saying hey to our, our lovely engineer out there in Missouri, Mr. Jeff Comfort, but I do have an in-person co-host. I'm here today with Lisa Snow. Lisa is a certified personal trainer and nutritionist in New York City she specializes in fitness for older adults and post rehab for all ages. She's been a vegan for 15 years, and if you want to check out what she does, you can look her up at EFT personal training.com That is elegant fit and talented, that's not really what it stands for, but, you know, that's a good one, EFTPersonalTraining.com, and she's also on Facebook at EFT Personal Training. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Victoria. So nice to have you here today. Thank you for coming all the way in from the county of Westchester. (laughs) Thank you. Great to be on the show. Well, I guess you're here a lot working with your clients. Yeah, in the city Pretty much every day. That's a good thing. Well, it seems like a lot of people in New York City have things like personal trainers. A lot of people in New York City get a lot of help living life. <laughs> and it, it's a good thing. I've been working with a trainer. I think I'm actually going to have to stop working with the trainer because it's getting to be just a little bit pricey. And I hope that in these months that I have had with her, she has trained me so that I will continue without her. That's the real trick. Do you see that with clients?
4: Yeah, I mean, I hope that however short or long a client works with a trainer, that they leave having really learned something, learned some exercises, learned good form, you know, learned good posture and things that they can just carry forward. Yeah, well, I can feel the difference. I can
1: feel the difference in how I carry myself. When I go to yoga class, the teachers are saying less often, lower your shoulders, and then I open my eyes, and they're looking right at me. So it has been a really good thing. Think Things are better. Now, I worked with a trainer back in 2005 and 2006. He was a lovely guy. His name was Sasha Lodi, and you could actually read about Sasha in Gene Stone's book, Secrets of People Who Never Get Sick. Because he never did. He also was, at the time that I was working with him, 65 years old. And he looked 40, 45. Interesting, interesting fellow. And when I worked with him, it was the same routine every day. So that when I moved away and couldn't work with him anymore, I knew what to do. But it seems like the newer way of training is all this dynamic, functional stuff. So you do something different every time. And now when I'm looking at not having a trainer, I'll probably go back to doing what I did with Sasha eight years ago instead of doing all this change about stuff I've been doing lately. What do you think about all that? Where do you come down on the how to train question?
4: Well, it really depends on each person's goals. Are they trying to lose weight? Are they trying to gain weight? Are they trying to recover from an injury? Um, So... It's definitely worth doing the same things again long enough that you actually see some adaptation and see some improvement. Um, As far as the clients that I get, um, it's really a mix. I have, you know, some healthy people who just want to stay in shape. I have people who are trying to lose weight. And I also get a lot of people who have just finished physical therapy. And obviously, I'm a trainer. I'm not a therapist. Uh, and they're not looking for me to treat their injuries, but they're just looking for that bridge between uh, rehab back to sports or rehab back to just real life and playing with their dog or playing with their kids or what have you. So,
1: and, and it is different, I'm sure, working with athletes versus working with somebody who just doesn't want to get hurt again. Right. And totally different goal. Yeah. And yet it's so interesting that working out works for All of it. I remember Sasha used to talk about the iron pill. He said that in the old days, the early bodybuilders said that you didn't need a wonder drug as long as you were working out with the iron pill.
4: (laughs) That's a great line. We have to revive that. That's a good one. That sounds like the name of a book. You know, it does. Or a website. It does.
1: (laughs) Well, make it a book first, because maybe you can make some money off that. I'm not thrilled with how the web has made... Um, information worthless in, in terms of you know you don't get paid for it. So as a longtime author, I'm I'm uh, very happy to think of you writing a book called The Iron Pill. So just before we we break and bring on our guest today, which is why I am here co-hosting with a trainer because our guest is Robert Cheek. He's the author of Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, and he's just quite the athlete. But I do want to tell you about a party. I just love sharing these wonderful vegan social events with people. I had my Hamptons experience this weekend. Now, I remember watching Sex in the City way back in Kansas City before I moved to New York. And I guess I kind of used it as, as a sort of, of treasure map or, or a sort of envisioning exercise because I would watch all the escapades of Carrie and her friends, and envision when I'm going to get myself to New York City. So that happened, happened back in 2000, and I have not regretted it a single day. But I'd only had one time to the Hamptons, and then I didn't stay very long, and I didn't see very much. So this weekend... There was a benefit for PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and a celebration of Dr. Neil Barnard's wonderful book, Power Foods for the Brain. We had Dr. Barnard on the show a couple of months ago. And it was in this beautiful home in Amagansett that was donated for it for the event, and it was real glittery. Mary Lou Henner was there. Do you know Mary Lou? She's a great, great health advocate. She started her acting career on Taxi and, and has been quite the working actor ever since. She also has one of the top 12 memories in the world. Did you know that? Wow. Yeah, it's called Superior Autobiographic Memory, and that means you can say, Mary Lou, what were you doing on April twenty second, 1982? And she will tell you exactly what she was doing and what classes she was taking and at what time of day. It's really remarkable. So she was there. Alec Baldwin was there and his lovely wife uh, that he met in yoga and uh, quite pregnant, so they'll be bringing a new little being into the world before long. But because of the train schedules, William and I had to get out there early in the day So we went to East Hampton, and I really felt, okay, now I have had my Sex and the City Hamptons experience. (laughs) We went into a charming little cafe called Babette's because it came up on Google as having a lot of vegan food, which indeed it did. But, oh, my gosh, the veggie burger was $27. If you wanted tofu on your salad, it was an extra $11. And I thought, great, I am having this experience, probably not going to have it again. Everybody looked preppy, whether they were 16 or 60, it was just like and over. So it was interesting and fun. And that's what life ought to be. (coughs) Excuse me. So we're going to break and then we'll be back. And who are we bringing on? Robert Chee. Yay. Stay with us. (laughs) fire. <laughs>
2: to take a moment to encourage you as part of our Unity Online radio family of listeners to support this ministry through a love offering. For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at Main Vegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks so much for being with us today. I am here with my co-host, Certified Personal Trainer, Lisa Snow at EFTPersonalTraining.com. And we are just about to introduce our special guest, Robert Cheek. If you would like to join this conversation, you can call us at 888-558-6489. Now, you know that every week or every week that I think of it, I'll share a quotation from Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement and Unity sponsors this show. Here is what he had to say. Spirit has shown me repeatedly that I could not refine my body and make it a harmonious instrument for the soul so long as I continued to fill it with the cells of dead animals. Now, I chose this quote today because he's talking about what we eat and how it affects the soul. And we're going to be talking about what we eat and how it affects the body. So I'm here with these two wonderful athletes, and we are just going to learn so much. Let me introduce you to Robert. If you don't know him yet, you have a treat in store. Robert Cheek grew up on a farm in Corvallis, Oregon, where he adopted a vegan lifestyle at age 15. Today, he's the best-selling author of Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, The Complete Guide to Building Your Body on a Plant-Based Diet. He's a two-time natural bodybuilding champion and has been noted by Veg News among the most influential vegan athletes. He tours all over North America, giving talks about his story that transformed him from a skinny farm kid to a champion vegan bodybuilder. Robert works for Vega, that's a line of whole food products as and also as a representative for the film Forks Over Knives you've all seen Forks Over Knives everybody on earth has seen Forks Over Knives and he works full time running vegan bodybuilding and fitness at veganbodybuilding.com and that includes writing books and touring and maintaining the website have you noticed he has a little energy? Robert recently moved back to the Pacific Northwest and continues to spread the vegan way of life by example as an accomplished vegan athlete. Welcome, Robert Cheek.
5: Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me.
1: Oh, well, we've been waiting for you a long time. This is quite a treat. And and Lisa, when we talked about doing some co-hosting, I gave her a list of several shows for months and months. And when she came to Robert
4: Cheek... It was sort of like Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, been looking forward to talking to you.
5: Yeah, I get that a lot—the whole Brad Pitt thing. You
1: do, you do. Well, no, that's got to be really boring, but I'm <laughs> sure you can handle it. Yeah, so, Jill
5: Black, right so
1: here in the Robert, house. give us just a, a little bit of your history of the skinny farm kid to the champion athlete.
5: Yeah, sure. I well, I grew up on a farm, in Corvallis, Oregon. My Parents worked in the animal agriculture department at Oregon State University, basically their job being to uh, teach college students how to raise animals for for food. And that's the environment I grew up in. I was in the 4-H program, and I was the smallest kid in my class. Believe it or not, I was even 89 pounds before going into high school and, uh, and barely made the basketball team at over 100 pounds my freshman year. Small kid. But uh, really athletic, I was a runner, and I was really into building muscle and and pro wrestling and bodybuilding and all of those things. And I became vegan as a 15-year-old at 120 pounds as a sophomore in high school uh, after influence from my older sister, Tanya, who was organizing an animal rights week and decided to try it for a week. And now it's been a little, I think a little more than 18 years, or I'm somewhere on my 18th year. And uh, so, so far, so good. And that 120 pounds turned into about 195 pounds over the the course of the years and found my way into bodybuilding. And here we are.
1: I love what this diet can do for whatever ails you, because you talked about being 89 pounds as a freshman in high school. I was 89 pounds in fifth grade. So I was in the opposite direction and eating a whole foods plant exclusive diet caused you to bulk up because that's what you wanted, caused me to trim down because that's what I wanted. It's pretty wonderful.
5: Yeah, it's one of those things you really, as long as you understand how the body works and understand how uh, fat burning works and muscle building works and the relationship between food and, and exercise performance and overall health, you can really design whatever outcome you want. For example, I was a distance runner. I even ran in college. I was pretty fast for a while, I could run like a 450 mile. Uh, You know, I, I had some success in some races. And then I decided to bulk up added 45 pounds or so after my college running days, and was almost 200 pounds bodybuilding. And then recently, I've been running half marathons. So I just alter what I eat, alter how I change how I train. And ultimately, I'm able to support whatever endeavor I have at that time. And that's what my book and other tools like our website help other people do too based on what they're passionate about.
4: Yeah. And your website is just such an inspiration to so many people. And I think people see the book title, Vegan Bodybuilding, and they think it's only bodybuilders. But you have a lot of different kinds of athletes on your website, correct?
5: Yeah, we have we have some, something around 10 or 15,000 people who are members of our website now. And not all of those are vegan, of course, They're people who are interested in it. But many of them are. The bulk are vegan people who are athletic. And we also feature a couple hundred uh, what we kind of describe as as elite or standout athletes. You'll see them in our profiles section. You'll find guys like Brendan Brazier on there and Derek Tresize and Giacomo Marchese, some recognizable faces and names. And But you also discover people maybe you, you didn't know about, like w- even world champion athletes like Laura Klein, who's in a sport that isn't quite as popular, duathlon but she's a world champion of that. And and guess what? She's vegan. So we we do feature a lot of different people from cyclists to runners to triathletes, swimmers, and of course, many competitive bodybuilders and powerlifters.
1: Now, we had Giacomo and a couple of of wonderful female athletes on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about the event that happened the last weekend of July in Austin. So how'd that work out for the plant-based athletes?
5: Oh, it was phenomenal. I was there reporting for numerous media outlets. I took almost 2000 photos, a dozen videos. I'm writing various blog reports for numerous websites and and media groups. And I was there from start to finish. And it was, you know, they, they had just absolutely phenomenal results. They had five individual champions, four overall champions, two who qualified for professional status. And out of the 10 categories total, we were involved, the plant-built team was involved in I think nine of those and took home five of the, the first place awards and many wow. and many second and third place finishes. I, I think it's worth noting uh, some very good friends of mine, Ed Bauer and Chad Byers, finished second and third out of a, a very competitive group of 24 athletes. So even the ones we did not win, we, we often came in second and third. And that was the case in the, the people you had on the show recently. Stephanie Rice came in second. Giacomo came in third in their groups. Uh, Tory Washington won the overall title. And guess what? You're going to love this. Tory Washington has been vegetarian since birth, vegan since 1998, and has won three of his last four competitions and has professional status in, I think, at least three organizations right now. And he's also one of the nicest guys around. So he won the whole show. Wow. Uh, in Texas, mind you, in Texas, won the whole bodybuilding show, never had meat in his life, and he's just such a wonderful guy, and, and wow. he looks incredible, and you'll see, you go to com or their Facebook group, you'll see the results, the photos, and go, if you follow my pages on Facebook, you'll see all kinds of candid photos, fun group photos, photo shoots, really, <laughs> really neat stuff.
1: And so we're talking veganbodybuilding.com for that.
5: Yeah, uh, well... I, I'm going to have the articles on veganbodybuilding.com right away. They're Right now, they're on our veganbodybuilding.com Facebook pages. So it's Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness on Facebook. That was just the quickest place to upload stuff as I've been traveling essentially every single day since I was in Texas.
1: Oh, that, that is so exciting. I wish I could have been there. Next time. So why is it, Robert, with all these things happening that are obviously dispelling the myth? That when most people go to their local gym, if they let it be known that they're vegan, they will be told that they're destined to be a 98-pound weakling.
5: Well, I think part of that is, first of all, I think that is changing. And I, I know it's changing because I've seen the landscape change over the last decade. And I've been doing this vegan athlete thing for almost two decades, and it's changed dramatically during that time. But I think it really it's. it's that has been the core belief for a long time. That's what our parents believe. That's what their parents believe. That's what media and advertising has promoted. That's what mainstream athletes uh, t- tend to follow that kind of uh, meat based uh, animal based supplement dairy kind of lifestyle. And that gets into commercials and endorsements and really at media in general. There's been a lot of money put into that, into that marketing and that's something we, we're all pretty well aware of and And I think there's there's a fear factor. I I honestly see that even in elite athletes right now, top athletes who transition to a plant-based diet in today, 2013's world, there's still a little bit of a fear factor that maybe we won't get enough protein. Can we really do this? There's a lot at stake, maybe a a multi-million dollar contract that they're on with their team or um, elite status within their their popular culture and their athletic industry. So I think there's there's fear. I'm not sure that it's totally warranted. I think we're we're setting a lot of really good positive examples in many different sports. Like I suggested, the the world champion in duathlon, and there's actually numerous world champions and uh, and strong men and and women and uh, endurance record holders and course record holders holders in all of these areas that are saying really showing and saying and displaying that, yes, you can do this on a plant-based diet. And more and more people are embracing that. And I think what it's going to take ultimately is to really have some of these top elite athletes in media embrace this lifestyle in the way that, for example, like a Bill Clinton does in, in politics or a Dennis Kucinich or some of these celebrity actors and singers. When we get these top athletes, like the LeBron James kind of athletes, Endorsing this lifestyle—that's a game changer, right there. That that really changes the culture in food and sports.
4: Absolutely, you're right about that media presence. Um, I know that a lot of people in the vegan community seem to think that low-protein diets are healthier in some ways, but you know, Robert, you and I both know that doesn't really work for athletes. And obviously, it's pretty easy and pretty doable to uh, to get plenty of protein, but. How have you been able to educate people about uh about really the protein issue
5: well it's a it's a tricky question, and there's lots of different angles to tackle it with and so basically, what we have to understand is that the body doesn't really need a whole lot of protein, maybe ten percent calories coming from protein for the regular layperson, the regular inactive person who's not doing a lot of uh, exercise and, and physical physically demanding work. So one could argue that simply if we are trying to bulk up, we could just eat more volume, maybe the same 10% of calories from protein, but, but really monitor the volume of food that we're consuming. Obviously, someone expending thousands of extra calories through exercise is going to need to consume thousands of extra calories in order to build muscle, let alone right. Muscle it will maintain weight so what a lot of people have done over the years is they've actually increased their percentage of protein intake I know I talk a bit about that in in my book and how to find higher sources of protein and which foods might be more conducive to that but I've also learned that you can you really can maintain and build muscle on a relatively lower protein diet if the volume is increased the overall caloric intake and therefore your macronutrient percentage of protein will be increased right along with it. So it does get a little bit tricky and there's lots of different ways to approach it. It just depends, I think, on the specific individual, whether they want to use high protein foods, or they want to use supplements? I don't think those are necessary at all. It comes down to macronutrient percentage and, and overall volume.
1: I found in reading your book, just what bodybuilders have to eat was so fascinating. I mean, I I know people who eat a lot. I've been a person who eats a lot, but oh my goodness, it's a lot of food. Did it ever feel like work when you were doing competitive bodybuilding and you just had to get so much food in you? I remember the number of of tofu hot dogs you (laughs) ate just seemed extraordinary.
5: Yeah, that's yeah, Victoria, that's exactly how it felt, to be honest. It felt like work. I mean, I would sit there and and just try to get enough food in in order to elicit these muscle-building responses. But you have to look at my, my unique metabolism and perspective, too, and that's why I was doing the approach that I did. So you have to look at where I'm coming from. I'm a barely 100-pound guy going in there lifting weights in the gym. I don't have a chance in bodybuilding. No one's giving me a chance. Basically, I'm getting laughed at. There's it's just not in the cards for me. I should stick to running. I should do something that's more in line with my body type. But I really had this desire to do it and I, I really wanted to do it. And so I worked hard at it. And for my body type and my frame, which is relatively slender and and narrow shoulders and small joints, I actually had to eat a very high volume at the time in order to build muscle. And, and surely it worked. And uh, and I certainly did. You know, I got I got pretty strong when I was about 200 pounds and I had success in bodybuilding and, and really had a good run for a long time at, in, that, in that industry and in that sport. But I've also, I've also realized that, as I'm sure we, we, a lot of us have evolved through this understanding of nutrition and food and its relationship to our health, that I probably didn't need to eat all those types of foods. I didn't need to eat 12 to 18 tofu hot dogs in a day which, uh, which uh, you're, you're referencing, or 11 bagels and all that stuff. I was really eating more junk foods back then that were high in calories, but they were also heavily processed, high in sodium, uh, oftentimes high in fat, high in all kinds of other additives and this and that. And uh, if I just eat more nutrient-dense whole foods, I get a greater return on investment and don't need to eat as many calories. And I don't have to eat. just I don't have to just stuff myself and for example if i can just give a quick a quick sample of that uh, and not a lot of people know this actually this is one of the first times i've ever shared this i stopped bodybuilding back in 2009 i wrote the book i toured i tried to make a couple of comebacks had a few injuries that were in significant muscle groups like my chest and my back and i had to take some time off and so i kind of moved away from bodybuilding but just recently i prepared for a bodybuilding competition on an exclusive Uh, Whole foods, plant based diet, no supplements or anything, no stuffing my food, no stuffing my face, no, not even any emphasis on high protein foods. I just ate healthy whole foods: potatoes and yams, and lentils and beans, and brown rice and vegetables, and as much fruit as I wanted. And sure enough, I competed in bodybuilding in May. I didn't, I didn't post anything about it. I didn't want to take away from everyone who was working toward the plant built thing. I quietly did my own thing, and I got in really good shape. And I have some great before and after photos and I got strong and all of this with just eating a really nutrient dense, whole food, supplement free diet. And I didn't have to do any special diet before the competition, cutting out this or that. I just simply exercised once or twice a day, five days a week, was very focused, ate healthy foods and had a nice return on that investment.
1: Wow. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to know now that you're transitioning and you're doing more running. How are you going to maintain your physique? It seems like a few years ago, some kind of mean paparazzi took a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger on the beach when he wasn't looking very good at all. And I think the, the question came up in a lot of people's minds. So what do you do if you look like Adonis at 25 and then you go on and live your life? So we're going to ask Adonis Robert Cheek when we come back. Stay with us.
2: affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word.
0: The path to God is not long or difficult or complex. Wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I pause and bring awareness to the one spirit that is within me. I open my mind to the thought of one creative energy enlivening me in the world. I open my heart to the one love that is the essence of life this love god's love is within us all spirit needs no books or rituals wealth or architecture to reveal itself it is as intimate as a touch and as vast as the infinity of space i am at peace in the simple knowing that wherever i am god is
2: daily word magazine is now available in a digital format A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell, live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, Join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran.
1: Hey, everybody. Victoria Moran here with Lisa Snow, EFT Personal Training, and our special guest, Robert Cheek, veganbodybuilding.com. So just before the break, I was asking you about staying in shape Now that, as I understand it, you're not going to be doing much competitive bodybuilding anymore. You're getting more into running. What's going to happen to all that muscle?
5: Well, it's a good question. And, yeah, I am transitioning a bit, and I'm really enjoying this full circle from starting out as a runner as a kid and a decade of bodybuilding and now back to running. It feels pretty good, actually, kind of like a homecoming, if you will. And so here's the thing. When I was bodybuilding, I was eating like a bodybuilder. I was training like a bodybuilder. I mean, I was consistent. I was dedicated. I was doing all the things that most people who aren't bodybuilders don't do, or because if they did them, they would be bodybuilders or they would be big muscle people. It, t- it really takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication and consistency and focus to do that. So when I got, when I had some injuries and quite frankly, I had some changes of interest and decided to take a break from bodybuilding in the last few years, I didn't eat like a bodybuilder anymore. I didn't need to consume large amounts of calories and overall protein and just food volume. I didn't train five days a week, really just consistently like I was bodybuilding. And so naturally, I'm gonna shrink down a bit. I don't have all the extra calories. I'm not doing all the, uh, the weight training that breaks down muscle, which helps you rebuild it bigger and stronger. And on top of that, I started running, which naturally b- burns a lot of calories in a different type of way, and usually reshapes your body quite a bit. Where you drop body fat, you lose a little bit of muscle, and and uh, your your weight goes down. So my body changes, and it will continue to change depending on my sports interest. So the the best thing that we can do, uh, you you mentioned uh, sometimes you get your uh, you mentioned Arnold, but a photo gets taken when you haven't been in the gym for a while. You know, I, I've, I've been that, in that place too. And that that's what happens. I mean, you take a little bit of break from training and, and you, sometimes your diet slips too because oftentimes our diet supports our, our training. And so maybe we'll start eating a little more junk food or we're not quite as careful. And so the best thing that we can do is still maintain transparency and focus and accountability to eat healthy whole foods as often as possible, whether we're training five days a week or just one or two days a week, and that alone should help us maintain low body fat percentage, a pretty fit look. And then, of course, the more we exercise, regardless of what type of exercise, running, cycling, weightlifting, we can continue to tone and and shape our body. So we really can stay healthy and and look healthy year round. It just depends how much emphasis we're going to put on eating healthy year round.
4: Absolutely. So Robert, I know a lot of vegans are just doing yoga and obviously yoga is fabulous from a flexibility standpoint. Uh, But what difference has it made for you to add weights to your life beyond your competitive athlete career? What difference has it made for your health and for you personally?
5: Well, it's an interesting question. And first, I'd like to say for me personally, I think what it's really done has spoke volumes for the plant-based diet and for the vegan lifestyle, and what it's done is, I've had people witness my for, watch me throughout my whole life gain all this muscle at, as a vegan, and this has really changed people's perspective of what a vegan is, what a vegan looks like, what a vegan can do in athletics. So, for what it's done for me personally, and, and I actually get a, I get a great deal. I have, I feel a great deal of pride from this because when I started my website eleven or twelve years ago, it was a, there was a population of one it was just me. I didn't, the internet was only one year old back when I became vegan. I didn't know others who were doing it. And then when I, when I built my own website, again, the internet was only four or five years old. Not a lot of people were doing it. And now we see tens of thousands of vegan athletes who are part of our site and part of our online Facebook and Twitter communities. And I think a lot of that started from me and and a few others like Brennan Brazier, leading by example and saying, look, Look at what weight training, look at what consistent training and a pretty good plant-based diet has done for me. And it's had that trickle-up effect that has reached so many people where now you get guys like Derek Treesize who have a way better vegan bodybuilding physique than I ever have. But it was because we had that in place for so many years that it inspired guys like that to uh, join this lifestyle, to get on board and make a great statement in their own right. So it's done, it's, I think it's done a lot for the movement. It's done a lot for me personally. It's done a lot for what we see now in the plant built community and in other vegan athlete communities. And also it's just made me a stronger person. I mean, it's made me a better runner. It's made me a better overall athlete. It's made me stronger in the gym it, itself. It's made everything from hiking to climbing stairs to lifting heavy luggage, which I do constantly on the road. It's made all of that easier simply by lifting weights consistently. And, and having some sort of goal in mind. So, you know, it's done more things than I can even mention. But those are a few highlights.
1: I think it does so much for your confidence. When you know that you've got some substance, I don't know, it changes how you move in the world.
4: Absolutely. And, Robert, I know that beyond just being an athlete, you're really an educator. And um, introducing people to the idea of plant-based eating and plant-based athletics so, to do that, you really travel all over the US and beyond. So, how do you stay in shape on the road? Do you bring some of your own fitness equipment or do you find a local gym everywhere you go?
5: Well, what I what I really write about in a lot of articles is that we can if we're determined to, we can find a place to exercise anywhere we are, no matter what, whether we're on a cruise ship, we're in a hotel, we're in a small town, I'm in a town right now of 670 people, for example, on on the Oregon coast. Um, There's always things you can do with body weight, push-ups, squats, lunges, dips, pull-ups, static holds, all kinds of things you can do with just your own body mechanics. And of course, you can run stairs and run outside and find a local gym and, and that kind of thing. So what I've done is one, I, I have a national chain membership, the 24-Hour Fitness, with ha- which has 500 to 1,000 locations around the country. So when I travel, I have that kind of gym uh, to go to in a lot of places. Uh, two, I contact oftentimes other communities, people on Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. I'm coming to town and I maybe use their gym like Beyond Fit and Bonebreaker Barbell in Austin, Texas, w- which I was just there last week, or Plant Fit at Bowers Gym in Portland, Oregon. Um, Or I just go to uh, the random hotel gym or the the YMCA. They've been very kind to me over the years. I often sign a book for them, actually. I sign a book for the YMCA and get a little two or three day pass and and use their facility. And and they've been really generous in that way. So I think what it comes down to is how committed an individual is, because we have 1,440 minutes every day. We can exercise anytime we want. It's just are we going to do it, or are we going to be checking our Facebook notifications, or watching YouTube videos, or you know TV, or you know whatever? Going out to eat and this and that. We can do all of those things, but guess what? We can also fit in forty-five minutes. We still have another fourteen hundred <laughs> during the day.
1: What a great exercise. way to look at it! And you have yeah. an uh, article in the current issue of Vegan Health and Fitness, I think, about working out in a park.
5: Yeah, absolutely. There's things you can do. I mean, anywhere there's there's a there's a structure that you can do pull-ups on, you can do dips on, that you, you can run back and forth in, uh, you know, between one destination, like one tree and another. You can do squats and lunges. I do lunges, walking from one tree to the other, followed by squats immediately. Do some CrossFit-style burpees, um, sit-ups, all kinds of abdominal exercises, planks. Yeah, you can do all of that just in a park. So, um, what What's a burpee? That
1: sounds like somebody who ate too much for dinner.
5: Yeah, it could be, it could be, or um, what it is, is it's a uh, jump straight up, um, and then you land into a squat, which then you drop into a push-up, and then you get right back up on your feet and do a vertical jump straight up with your arms in the air, and then again land a- a- into a squat position, and then drop to a push-up, and you, and you you know, repeat that over and over and over. It's a total body exercise.
1: Well, after the show, I will ask Lisa to demonstrate such a thing. That sounds... uh. Pretty impressive. So, you got a new book coming. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah. So, I've been working on, I mean, Victoria, I have probably six or seven unfinished books, including a couple that are actually 300 pages. It's just been finding the right time to release the right type of book. I love to write, I write all the time. And so, in February, after a couple of projects I was working on just before that, I, I put those aside. They were more motivational type books, personal development stuff. And I said, you know what, Robert, let's go back to the basics. And let's write another book about vegan fitness, but let's let's use a few different themes here. And so what I came up with back in February was The Plant-Based Athlete, A Whole Food Approach to Improving Athletic Performance. And I met with Dr. T Kong Campbell and others, uh, the Forks of Knives community and and many others, and they they just loved the idea. I wrote a hundred pages or so, and then uh recently presented it to a publisher. Um, and uh, you know. We'll see. It's it's really it's like a forks over knives fitness. It's a whole food approach, supplement free guide. And and even though I I've, I've taken many supplements over the years and work for supplement company Vega, as you heard earlier, I've been experimenting with a whole foods only approach as an experiment to see how that works with athletics. I think it's important to test that out and not just assume that if one is an athlete, one must use supplements. When we all know that the original sources of nutrition, the best sources of vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids, everything we need essential for life come in the original forms from plant-based whole foods, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, seeds, legumes, et cetera. So I started exploring uh, that topic and and writing about a lot of really fun topics. And this allows me to use the plant-based diet in, in the title again, like I did in my subtitle for the first book. And it just ties in a whole bunch of new approaches as well as check this out, for example. You want to talk about staying in shape, you ran overall fitness. I told you I did that bodybuilding competition in May that nobody knows about. I ran a half marathon two weeks later and then another half marathon two weeks later. Not a lot of people do that kind of thing, but I found a new way of training and eating to support a completely just overall athletic lifestyle where you can excel in very extreme sports like a powerlifting and then marathon running. There are a few other people out there doing it too, and I'm learning from them and and um, and, and experimenting on myself. So this book is is really about eating whole foods and being healthy and fit year round, regardless of what your athletic endeavors are.
1: That is really exciting, and the supplement free thing is interesting. Whether somebody wants to be supplement free or not. One of the most popular classes at Main Street Vegan Academy is when the vegan historian Rinberry comes to do history of the vegan, vegetarian, and raw movements. And he starts with Pythagoras and talks about a fellow named Milo of Croton. And Milo was a wrestler who was in the Olympic Games for something like 28 years. That might be a little bit off, but I mean, year after year after year, strongest man of his time and as far as the records show he ate a very simple raw plant diet so if it could happen in antiquity who knows what could happen now
5: yeah and that's really the that's really the point i mean and this really was inspired by my work with forks over knives and meeting with dr campbell year after year and basically asking these questions so there's all these New athletes out there, there are so many new athletes, elite professional, in some of the biggest sports in the world, and some of the biggest names in the world who are becoming plant based or vegan, if you will and the question came came up: can you do this without supplements because most of them myself included, have been taking supplements for years, and we figured that enhances our athletic careers, our athletic interests and i 'm starting to think that maybe that 's not the case because how I mean, how could that be the case if they're just, they're just trying to replicate or duplicate what nature already provides in whole food form? Uh, I understand the convenience factor, and I can I understand numerous other factors, concentrated nutrition of this or that, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't come without any side effects or other potentially adverse effects, including habit-forming, addiction, all, kind, all kinds of other things, um, economical expense environmental expense, all these things that maybe we need to reevaluate some things. And that's what this book is. It's not, it's not, it's not anti-supplements. It's pro whole foods. It's just talking about, you know, it's, it's pro all kinds of fitness. It's not just bodybuilding. It's, it's pro being active. It's pro being um, involved in outreach and leading by example and being a positive role model and leader in your community and eating whole foods and having lots of energy and doing all these different types of exercises that make you an all-around athlete. It's all that kind of that kind of stuff, and I, I think it's going to be good. So what we'll see, no idea when it gets finished or comes out, especially given my track re- record of a few incomplete projects, but I'm trying to pick the right times, the right situations, and um, I think this is coming of age. So look out. Right.
4: right, and I think a big mistake that people make is they think the vegan diet is one thing, like there's one vegan diet, but in reality, you could do high-protein vegan, you could do low-protein vegan, you could do vegan with supplements, you could do vegan without supplements. Um, and in your book, you really give such a range of options from more mainstream vegan food to completely raw. And you also included uh, an allergy-free section that was menu plans with no gluten, no soy, which was really cool. What inspired you to, to add that to the book?
5: Yeah, that's uh, part of my Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness book. It's been out for about three years now. And well, I think probably actually I was inspired by working for Vega. And Vega has been common allergen-free since the onset. And it really got me thinking that there are lots of different types of athletes out there. There are lots of different types of people out there with different interests. And and I wanted to include a lot of meal programs. So I included 50. Uh 5-0, you know, 50 different meal programs. And so I wanted to show raw food. I was inspired by a friend who was raw at the time, Giacomo Marchese and was making great uh, fitness progress. He's not raw anymore, but he's he's vegan. he's doing great uh, as as a, as a bodybuilder and other people friends who had allergies and the inspiration from Vega, of course, I wanted to include lots of options because I wanted the book to appeal to a lot of people and I know some of the the meal programs are pretty high calorie, but I also wanted the serious bodybuilders to take it take it seriously. I wanted people who are some mainstream bodybuilders. To appreciate it and and uh, help them transition to a, a vegan or, or certainly a more plant-based diet. So um, that, that's how that came about.
1: Robert, we're nearly out of time, which I just can't believe. It makes me sad. But I would like to ask you about the other thing that you seem to be so passionate about, and that is this motivational side of life of setting goals and reaching them and making a difference in the world. What can you tell us about that?
5: I, I, I just I don't know where it came from. I've, I've been compelled to want to drive hard and, and give more and, and exceed, you know, expectations and excel since I was a kid. Uh, and, and that's where it came from. I mean, when I was in elementary school, I had to be the f- fastest runner in the school and I was, and then I wasn't in, in middle school too. And then it carried on to high school and then it just, it's always been there, whether it's been academics or athletics, I just figure that life's a beautiful thing and it should be enjoyed and experienced and that's why i travel every week or so i work hard to create a lifestyle that allows me to travel because there's so much of the world to see and it's, there's so much to be experienced and uh and i, and I think that's a, a precious thing and I, I think we should not take it for granted and you know we never know when our last day is we should go enjoy it do meaningful things and, and help others along the way too whether they we're talking about animals or or um you know human animals. A lot of people need to be uplifted a lot of people need help and need to know they're worthwhile and need to need to smile and that's i think that's something that drives a lot of that is that you know help other people find some really passion and really passionate things to uh, pursue in life
1: you're the real deal It, it i'm sitting here smiling aren't i don't I look silly? Yes. Yeah, because you really have that uplifting quality about you. It just means so so much. So, all the best in everything that you're doing. We are going to be waiting here with bated breath for your new book to come out. So tell that publisher to hurry up because we want it. You have been listening today to the inimitable Robert Cheek. You can find him at veganbodybuilding.com or on Facebook at Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness. My co-host has been Lisa Snow, Certified Personal Trainer. She's at EFTPersonalTraining.com. And if you will tune in next week, we're going to have a fascinating show. Our guests are going to be Gingy Talaferro, who's a longtime raw foodist and an expert in that area. Sid Garza-Hillman, author of Approaching the Natural, A Health Manifesto. And in the first 10 minutes... A lovely woman who has been one of my vegan lifestyle coaching clients, Ann Zabrowski, is going to be on and talk about going from being a regular woman in Indiana on the couch with weight to lose, wondering what she could do. And now she's running marathons. There's wonder in the world. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Lisa. Everybody out there, thank you for listening. God bless you, and eat those veggies. All the best.
2: Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey.
3: Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Rev. Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life, only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration
1: only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on this message from Daily Word. Is something in your life causing you concern? Don't be discouraged. The presence of God is peace and harmony. Healing and creative ideas is with you every moment of every day, providing the help you need. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. You are a spiritual being, blessed with all that you need for happiness and fulfillment. God's wisdom will guide you. God's strength will help you do all that you need to do. And God's joy will lighten your heart with hope and courage.
2: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
0: You've seen Reality TV. Well, now get ready for Reality Radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
3: Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like Earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts, so you don't miss an episode.